Hello, everybody. Welcome to Single-Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. I'm a writer and podcaster, blah, blah, blah. You should check out my podcast, blockreporter.org, uh, my newsletter, jessesingle.substack.com. I just had a uh, free newsletter about this column in Inside Higher Ed about affirmative action that I thought sort of captured some of the stuff that annoys me about liberal intellectual spaces these days. You may have heard that I am annoyed by some things in these uh, domains. Probably not a surprise to those of you um, who are return visitors visitors to this room. Um, so, yeah, get in the queue if you have any questions or comments. The one thing I want to talk about was an interesting, I think legitimately interesting little online blow-up. Uh, it was between Shadi Hamid, who I know a little bit, who's sort of a you know center-left heterodox whatever who works for Brookings, D.C.-based, and John Gans, who goes by Lionel Trolling on Twitter and is a lefty. He often writes about like his history and fascism on Substack. And Shadi said something Lionel, sorry, John Gans didn't like about how, in Shadi's opinion, it's a bad idea to call uh, Trump supporters semi-fascists. And Gans uh, replied on Twitter by basically saying, go fuck yourself. Then Gans wrote a substantive response on his Substack uh, and started circulating that, and it just sort of got me thinking about like a lot of these arguments about civility because I've had multiple instances where, particularly among like lefty Twitter ty types, they come across as so noxious and toxic and just crappy, shitty people that. And their main mode is is basically go fuck yourself. They they have like a toddler's inability to manage their emotions and sort of express them in an adult way. Uh, and I just think it's like a bad strategy. I, I think you really, if you want people to take you seriously, I, I understand there's an argument against civility if you're really speaking truth to power. And I understand that arguments about civility have been used to sort of, you know, denigrate people unfairly and to not take their arguments seriously. But, you know, Shadi Hamid is not, the Reagan administration ignoring dying AIDS patients. That is not a good example of when a time when like incivility is warranted. So the, the game theory of it is interesting because if you're this John Gans guy and you have a lot of lefty Twitter followers who they are a really big fan of go fuck yourself. Uh, they're also a big fan of the, <laughs> there's a photograph of a, there's no polite way to say this of a pig with uh, poop on its balls you'll get a lot of them sending you that if you sort of uh, annoy them. Like a lot of their little minnow followers will send you that. And it just, it, it makes it very easy to disregard any substantive arguments they have. And I, I mean, I guess it leads to the question of like, if you're someone who fancies yourself as like a wannabe intellectual and you want to understand the world, do you have an obligation to look past someone's raging asshole of a social media persona and actually read what they write? I have definitely been tempted given how beset by information I am and how I feel like I'm always behind on everything. And I have a stack of books like up to my waist that I really want to read that I haven't. And I, my attention span sucks and it's getting worse every day. My inclination is to say like, if, if you're incapable of communicating with people on Twitter, except with pig shit balls or go fuck yourself, I'm probably going to err on the side of not reading your work. Um, so I don't know, especially that like Gans is, I guess he has a su successful Substack, but he is like a much smaller fish in the pond than Shadi is. And that, that so sounds like a dickish thing to say, but my point is like 
the dude, Shadi doesn't have to respond to you. Like you're in the position of you should be trying to get his attention and to pay attention, get him to pay attention to your critique. And you sort of did that in the worst way possible. Um, D, what is up? I saw the I saw that critique. I think I think it's frustrating because I don't like specifically kind of the white, um, very online left because um, I don't think they do a good job of like advancing causes that I believe in. I think the trouble with with someone like Shadi is that like we've kind of seen this story before where someone starts, and this is going to sound like very fascistic and very like controlling, but I don't want it to sound like that. But we've seen this story before where, like, someone starts to do the whole, yeah, I'm just asking questions, I'm having dialogues with the other side, and then you start, they start, like, drifting over to the other side. Like, this was kind of my knock against Joe Rogan, is that um, Joe Rogan, like, be what you're going to be, but don't, like, say, oh, I'm just a guy asking questions, I'm a liberal, and then you kind of drift over. Um, And we saw the same with, like, Tulsi Gabbard. We've seen it with Dave Rubin. We're now seeing it with Bill Maher, where he's like, yeah, abortion doesn't matter because it doesn't affect me. And so I think the the question with centrist and some people who I guess are Bernie types who have kind of done this is if there's a desire not to see this cancel culture sort of like grotesque online left online liberalism, don't you have a responsibility to make sure you're calling out both sides and make sure that you're kind of recognizing and making sure you're recognizing kind of the ways in which the right is problematic because a lot of people start off like shoddy and then in 10 years he's going to be like well Oberlin students are why i'm voting republican and that's just happened over and over again so i think there's such a little tolerance with that particularly when people who are civil like ben shapiro or um or civil on their face like ben shapiro and the rest of the right they may be civil to the left but at the end of the day they're still going to be conservatives yeah i no, it makes sense. I think um, I think Shadi is like pretty good in terms of being anti-authoritarian. I mean, I, I could be missing something. What you're saying about that general trajectory of like audience capture among heterodox types is absolutely happening. Although, I mean, my only my only quibble would be like I don't know. I mean, I think Joe Rogan probably has like pretty all over the place politics. Um, yeah, Dave Rubin, I don't. I don't think he was ever really on the left. He was like, yeah, he was, he was. Oh, he was like serious on the left. Yeah. Because remember he was, I don't know if you know, he was a TYT guy, young Turks. Oh, I do. I'm sorry about that. He started doing the Rubin report. He was like, yeah, I'm a lefty man. And the left's crazy now. You know, I don't understand. You know, I'm a JFK liberal. And now he's just fully, now he's on, on national conservative conference, basically apologizing for being gay. Like, you know, and you know, even Bill Maher, who I think does a great job of critiquing like places like, my alma mater, like Oberlin, um, he he he's now doing the whole well, like campus kids or all the all the problems with society, and I'm not going to talk about the abortion thing. And it's like, I, I just think the heterodox community just needs to do a better job. The anti woke people need to do a better job of making it so that the ultra woke white liberals don't have a space because they wouldn't have a space if if there was calling out of sort of the excesses on the right from, from centrist in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I think there's been a cleavage where, I don't know. I hope people understand the difference between like someone like me and someone like, I don't bear him personal ill will, but someone like Brett Weinstein, who has, I think really gone off the rails on vaccine stuff or, 
I like Glenn Greenwald, but I really thought his appearance with Alex Jones was awful. I mean, he's really uh, stuff like that. I, I just think people get so fixated on the anti-woke thing and on hating the establishment that it uh, – I mean, I made this argument. I wrote a column about going crazy anti-woke. If you make being against something the center of your political identity, you will end up in a crazy place. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Brett, again, Brett was someone who – Brett and I, I've been clear- – critical because she does this too and she's getting on my nerves like Batya, like they're socialists and their entire thing is we're socialists yet we're going to spend every time talking about how the democratic party is not the party of the working class and the republican party which wants to <laughs> destroy obamacare and cut every uh, welfare spending program is the party of the working class so i just yeah. i don't know i just hope that people like you and, and shoddy kind of keep that stuff in mind um yep. when you're kind of when you're kind of fighting your uh, battles. Yeah. Thank That's you. All I to say. Good thank call. Um, yeah. With Batya, I, I really disagree with her idea that Trump genuinely cares about working class people. I don't, I like her. I don't understand how she came to that conclusion. Trump has never done anything in his life other than he'll say things about free trade and China that do, li- you know, generally line up with certain labor priorities in the U S but in terms of his own actual policies and dealings, he doesn't, he doesn't care about labor. Come on. Anyway, John, what's up? Hey, uh, can you hear me? I can. Great. Um, I think I'm going to push back. I've been hearing this more from uh, from your calls lately, um, and I see why people feel this way about not wanting to go too far to the right. But I kind of do think the, the woke stuff has gotten just that bad that it's more okay to consider it than it has been in the past. Yeah. Well, consider um, what exactly? Um. Well, for, for one thing I've heard you say recently is like, if you want, if you're worried about illiberalism in America, how could you vote for the Republican Party? Um, and I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't think that there's an illiberal party, but I think that the um, left's takeover of all the institutions and the Democrats refusing to have a discussion about it or do anything about it is at least ballpark as dangerous. I can see why someone would still say Republicans are worse. I don't begrudge anyone who still would rather vote Democratic. I'm still pretty on the fence too. And I'm someone who's always voted Democratic and worked for Democratic campaigns in the past. But I mean, I'm on like a six day streak now of seeing another story about like active discrimination against white people. And I know that's not something we're supposed to talk about, but I've seen something out from Bank of America, Pfizer, Amazon, Google, like four or five days in a row. And earlier in August, we had the thing with the teachers union in Minnesota. And at some point here, we're going to have the affirmative action case, uh, anti-Asian discrimination case come up to the Supreme Court. And when these things happen, I'm, I'm happy there are conservative Supreme Court justices because I don't trust the liberal Supreme Court justices to do anything about it. So in order to keep the conservative Supreme Court, you have to have the conservative president and the conservative Senate. So I feel very, very stuck in between these two things. I don't think it's as clear as, as maybe you guys are making it out to be. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, it's both my longstanding, very serious policy differences with the Republican Party, but also um, the genuine, undeniable attempt to steal an election, which is going to happen again. I just, To me, that should trump a lot of stuff. I get what you're saying about, you know, the takeover stuff is true. It's also true that like every national level political campaign is having internal conversations about this. And you see 
both staffers within campaigns and congressional offices and NGOs. Um, I've referenced Ryan Grimm's piece a few times. Everyone knows this is an issue and everyone knows it's caused meltdowns. And I still think the sane people are likely to win in the long run because you just can't have organizations functioning like this. It just, it, it will not get you anywhere. So, and I do think in some areas there's been progress. So those are to me all reasons why like, I'm not going to throw away a lot of deeply held political beliefs. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I guess I think that this is becoming more policy um, on the left to have these discriminatory things, but um, I don't know, it's not going to get teased out here. So uh, I'll let it hang up, but yeah. I'll hang up and see, see where it goes. So yeah, thanks for taking my call. Fair call, John. Uh, paid in what's up? Others should jump in the queue. Paid in the only one in the queue. Peyton, you got to uh, unmute yourself. Can oh. you hear me? <clears throat> Give him another minute. Um, I did also want to uh, touch back on... Uh... Hey, Peyton, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Peter, I'm going to jump to Mickey because I'm having connectivity issues with you. Let's see if uh, you have better luck with Mickey. Mickey, what's up? Hey, Jesse, can you hear me? I can, yeah. Yeah. And um, Peyton, get back in the queue if you figure that out. We'll, we'll get you next. What's up, though, Mickey? I'm not on earbuds, so if it's noisy, actually, I'm putting them in them right now. Still there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. No real quick, I was just going to ask. I, I was just watching on um, Breaking Points uh, with Crystal and Sagar. I don't know if you check them out much, but they were basically just talking about um, how they were saying it actually seems like signs are pointing towards um, Trump actually getting indicted for the the files and stuff. Like, I guess he there was like a you know a picture that the DOJ released of like a bunch of you know files that clearly say top secret on them like spread across his his floor and i guess the real issue is that he you know they gave them i guess multiple chances or whatever to declare any files any top secret files that they might have and they didn't and that's the the thing that's going to happen and i just wanted to kind of see what you're thinking of how it's going to look if that actually comes to pass yeah you you cut out at the beginning but you were saying um, who, who did you hear talking about that Oh, uh, Crystal and Sagar on uh, Breaking Points. Yeah, and I, I saw you, some. Uh, um, them. You know, they used to be on Rising. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I know, I know the show. I didn't, I, I mm-hmm. don't watch it that much. I um, yeah, I saw some um, National Review type tweeting about this. Um, I, 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 I thought it was hilarious what Trump said. Was it on True Social? His basic argument was like. That, I wouldn't make a mess like that. Yeah, the DOJ yeah. <laughs> staged the photo, which of course it did. Yeah. That's like if a drug dealer's like, well, it looks bad when you spread all the cocaine out. It was it was right. neatly packaged underneath the seat of my truck. Come on. Yeah, yeah um, his argument was not, I don't, that, like, that's not my stuff. <laughs> it was just like, it was just like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> I had arranged it much more tastefully. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I feel, this is one of those areas where I feel a little bit underqualified. I, um... I know folks like Eli Lake view this as sort of overreach. I suspect that someone like Merrick Garland is not going to go to the pretty
Oh, did you cut out or is that a mind? Found recklessness on Trump's part with regard to these materials that is of a piece with the way he does everything. Cut out for a second there. Maybe that was just my connection though. Oh, sorry. Um, I was just saying, like, I, I don't think a Merrick Garland DOJ is going to recklessly make as big a move as this unless, like, they really think it's warranted. Maybe I'm putting too much faith in the uh, the spooky deep state or whatever, but I, I, it just it doesn't surprise me that Trump would treat this stuff in an incredibly reckless way and that he doesn't like being told to do. It also doesn't surprise me that he would, you know, try to blow off the feds for trying to get these documents back. But obviously... Um, if they do indict him, there will be political backlash and Trump will likely run. You know, he was already going to run on the fact that he, quote unquote, won in 2020. Imagine also giving him that ammunition of a, an indictment right. hangover. I mean, it would be just an unbelievable, horrible campaign, I think. If you get indicted, um, I, I thought like there was a situation where, like a legal standing where like if you're indicted, you can't run for federal office or something. Or is it if you're found guilty? I thought I, I don't know how that works. Oh, I should definitely be up on that. I thought it was um more. I don't think it's just in. Well, oh, somebody check. just commented neither. Oh, so yeah. Maybe, I didn't, can you run? Oh, maybe that was just like a rumor that I had heard or something. So, yeah, I, I thought that was like one of the things that was like that would knock it. Like if he's like yeah, I'm just indicted, seeing a Newsweek yeah. thing. Trump yeah. can run for president even if he's indicted. Can Trump be disqualified? I don't think this is a legitimate. Um. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to resolve this. Now. I, I, that doesn't yeah. sound right to me. For what's worth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it was just one. It's just one of those things where it's like, I personally would love to see Trump like off the national stage, but at the same time, it's like, what are the ramifications of that? Like, how's that gonna, you know, like clear? It's it is one of those things where it's just like, is it worth the. Uh, you know, how, like, how are people going to react to that? Even if he's totally legally guilty, like it's like, is anyone yeah. accept that? So I guess we'll have to wait and see. There's a, I mean, we know there's like 40% of the country. It, he really could shoot a guy on fifth Avenue. Oh my God. Yeah. He said it's unfortunate, but um, this has been interesting because it does, it does not seem like there's all that much at issue with the facts. It's almost similar to like the Georgia thing where we literally, literally have that tape of him, trying to get those 11,000 extra votes. He's mm-hmm. he's not good at breaking the law, it turns out. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, and, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this, but yeah, something that kind of flipped in my head with him just being like, oh, like maybe he's not as like savvy. It's like he clearly is savvy in some ways, but when, it, when I, like when the whole Michael Cohen thing was originally happening and it was like, oh, he's like this like shady cab like medallion czar like, or whatever, like in, in, in New York. And it's just like, Oh, it's like, he's not even like, it's like, he's literally like rolling with these sort of like mid-level criminal, like lawyers and stuff. Like, yeah, he, he, he definitely doesn't, he can't really like pick the best people. Like it's sometimes it's like he picks like, I mean, Rudy Giuliani, this is someone who has chosen to have Rudy Giuliani be right, like one of right, the public right. faces of his. Yeah. Yeah. I Rudy think Giuliani his, at his lowest. I think his savvy, the limits of his savvy are like the room he's in. Like, in other mm-hmm. words, I think he has a weird intuitive lizard sense of like, he knows if he says giant China, 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 yeah, um, yeah. he will rile up the large number of like white people in America who rightly or wrongly feel left behind. And I think he knows how to make the right noises and feel out a crowd. And you can't deny that there's folks who feel very attached to him, even if it's just out of hatred for the Democrats. But I, I, I think he, 
he's bad at everything. I think he has no appreciable talents in any area other than this very potent one involving a weird sort of like pseudo charisma. Yeah, I described it as like, he's like a great white shark. It's like a shark doesn't need to be like smart at all, like, you know, on paper or anything to be like the perfect killing machine. Like, to do yeah, they're very good at, good they're very at. good at one thing. Exactly. Exactly. All yeah. right. Well, I just wanted to get your, get your take on that. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mickey. See ya. Payton, what is, what is that, Payton? Hey, can you hear me now? Yep. Much better. Cool. I think for uh, anyone listening, I think Colin glitches on low power mode on the iPhone. So just make sure you're not on low power. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's useful enough. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so I was going to ask you um, about sort of a boundary of free speech situation that I was uh, involved in. So I'm in this kind of organization, right? That's like supposed to be heterodox, um, whatever. And this one person said, made this comment where he was basically like, I think trans people will be school shooters someday because they reject mutilating because they regret mutilating their own bodies. And I thought that was kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Um, You know, there's always a lot of debate on this. You know, the trans subject is like, you know, it's complicated. And I know there's a lot of mental health, you know, implications and whatever. But I kind of felt that that was out of line Um, and that this kind of reached the standard of like, disrespect just like joking about school shootings and joking about um you know people who are obviously not on the whole violent becoming violent um and but then i feel like some other people felt that like sure the wording was weird but like in sort of that rationalist spirit of like we're willing to debate things that are even like seem controversial or ridiculous I mean, like, I'm not saying it's not possible that that might happen someday. But for me, it's like the it's just such a crass and like inappropriate thing to say that even in a space where we're like really trying to get to the bottom of things, to me, that just feels like it crosses the line. But I was just curious what your perspective is on like a comment like that and how you would think about. Like, yeah. Yeah. Was this like a closed discussion forum or something? Yeah, it was like a closed like group chat with like some like 25 people. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to, in spaces like that, cultivate both, like, a sense of openness, but also, you know, have, it's just hard to know where, where the boundary should be. I, I'll just use my own newsletter as an example. The I've had the same experience as Freddie DeBoer, which is the only time I have had to engage in any sort of, like, active moderation of my comment section on my newsletter is when trans stuff comes up. And it is because there's a small subset of people who are really fixated on this issue and get really nasty about it. Uh, I had to delete someone's comment and send them an email basically politely, but firmly saying, you're not, you know, you're not welcome here. If you say stuff like that again, I'm just not going to let it happen. So I think it is useful to throw like the equivalent of brushback pitches. It's probably hard to come up with the principle of exactly why that comment was wrong. Cause it's pretty subjective about, I mean, he's getting at a point that I think is legitimate, which is that there's going to be a subset of people who thought these treatments will cure their mental health problems and they won't. I would, based on the evidence we have, I think that's probably true. It's just a matter of politeness and etiquette and not being like, you're going to become a school shooter. There's just, I guess it just comes down to like, there's a way to express that that's much less personal and vicious sounding, right? Yeah, that that sounds about right. I I, I think there's I, I, part of it is the way it was said, but I think there is a bit of the content too. Like, I mean, it would be one thing if there was like something shared specifically, like here's the here's like you know some specific link uh, from this issue to mental health to violent like outbreaks, but there's not really any evidence of that yeah. either. 
so for me like for me it's like it's just like it's like a speculation that's like not grounded in anything and is like seem could be like could be perceived as like pretty harmful i see as like as like crossing line but i agree it's such a tough thing to do on principle because i think I definitely don't want to cultivate an atmosphere of censorship, like where people feel like they might like, you know, be kicked out for saying something wrong, but it's yeah. also like, yeah. So. Well, I mean, I mean, so I maybe that's the way to do it. As you say, like I, the moderator could say like, look, you're allowed to make a lot of points about this. We're not trying to censor you. We're just trying to keep yeah. things civil and civility is subjective, but in the opinion of the group, you, you violated our civility boundaries. Yeah. That's the, that, that sounds about right. And I guess yeah. different groups will have different boundaries for totally. Why that civility lies. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, baby. Eli, what's up? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Uh, okay. I would just like to say that um, I'm entirely with you on the Republicans and Democrats thing. Um, I think whatever you think of silly pronouns and even things like uh, company positions aimed at BIPOC, whatever. Uh, there's such a gap that Republicans' agenda is so repugnant and their aims are so horrible that as silly as pronouns are, like the thing with the genderqueer author today, did you see that? with the um, Yeah, the, the A-air a pronouns, yep. Yes, which I found one, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. Um, I have two questions. Um, one, why do you think uh, that... America seems to be very good at locking people up. Uh, and I wanted, and I have the impression that when it comes to protecting its democracy, sometimes there's this weird gap where people can, you know, deny an election or be whatever and nothing kind of happens. Um, and it's weird. And the other question that I have, uh, are you going to watch either House of the Dragon or uh, the Rings, the, the, uh, rings of power, power thing. Um, yes. Well, to take the more important question first. I'm I'm halfway through the first episode of House of the Dragon. I'm much more a uh, Martin guy than a Tolkien guy. Um, why maybe do you at some think point. What do I think of what? The episode. What did you think? Well, I'm only halfway through. I overall I like it so far. I have like a nerdy critique of this one like very jarring scene involving people's limbs getting cut off. Maybe I'll I'll save that for when I've watched the whole thing, I, I thought it was pretty good. It, it drew me in. I'm interested in this universe. I'm interested in like the Targaryens. I, I, it's, it's interesting that uh, a song of fire and ice for, especially like the whole buildup of the arc. Dr there's just like dragons are mostly history. There's this thing people yeah. hear about and they, they obviously left a huge impact because there were these basically war machines, but like there weren't, you know, until Daenerys raises them, we don't have dragons in the world. So it's just interesting to jump back in time to like, yeah, they have 10 giant dragons and it's curious to see where that will go. Um, I don't think it, the first episode drew me in nearly as much as the first episode of Game of Thrones, where literally the mm -hmm. first shot is, is Ned Stark or first scene is Ned Stark chop, chopping someone's head off for fleeing the White Walkers. But uh, what do you think of it? I thought it was very good. I thought it's a bit like theater. It's well acted, well directed, but the CGI is atrocious. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 like, you know, they're on a theater stage and it's obviously fake, but everyone's talking like Shakespeare. I also think the dialogue, I, I think there is a difference in register. At least I, I think so. They all talk um, in slightly in a slightly more elevated way. Yeah. But as I understand it, they um, 
they filmed it in the studio because they couldn't go on location. So there's this scene at the beginning of the episode, at the very beginning, with like this cart going through this, the, the streets of King's Landing, and it's the worst CGI I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's the visuals were noticeably different, I thought, yeah. Yeah, uh, and the Rings of Power Power thing. Um, oh, no, I just haven't seen any of that. I, I just don't follow token stuff as closely, but I'll, <laughs> I'll likely check it out at some point. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so... Um, the free the free speech thing is just um you know we obviously we have i think the most liberal free speech laws in the world which is one of the yeah. few areas where i think america does stuff better than europe i think in a lot of ways a lot of european countries just are better functioning than we are the the reason it's basically a slippery slope argument if in my experience when you give people the power to squelch speech either legally or sort of through the norms of an organization or a social yeah. media platform they will always seize more and more of that power so i think election denialism is pretty dangerous especially like in its its most virulent forms especially when it's coming out of trump's mouth um i yeah. also think that the american liberal uh argument is just like well First of all, one out of 10 times a crazy person seems to be right. And we don't want to prevent crazy people who turn out to be right from, we don't want to throw them in jail. Uh, And if you set aside the fact that you can't ban this speech because of the first amendment, if you did ban it, like what's next, what's the next thing to get banned? So I think that that's the basic argument. That's true. Um, Okay. Thank you very much. And keep, uh, yeah. um, If you watch the rest of the episode, uh, love to hear your thoughts. Okay. Thanks, Eli. Bye-bye. Thank you. Jane, what's up? Oh, did I did I unmute? Yep, yep, I can hear you. Oh, okay. Um, I was just reacting to the caller, not the last one, the one before, and talking about um, talking about free speech um, or being in a in a closed group, and then somebody says something. It's it is tough because there is kind of a fine line, but it's also. Um, you know, tone really matters. So I guess I would ask the person rather than asking you, but I, I've been in those sort of spaces as well, where we're seeking, we're seeking a space to be able to talk about things because we're our working places where we feel we can't. And I'm part of a, an educators group that we meet once a week and um, nothing else outrageous is somebody saying that, you know, the trans people are going to turn into school shooters, but it, it depends on where the person's coming from, whether they're you know, trying to express how upset these people are going to end up becoming or whether they're saying, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't there. So it's really hard to know. Obviously it sounded like it was offensive to the group. I was at, in a group where, and it wasn't really offensive. It was just somebody had a real blind spot where I guess at their school, um, cause we're from all over the country. I'm a school teacher and where this person went to school, the school was really doubling down on all the 2020 protest stuff. They painted an enormous mural um, to the, the, the kind of the, the victims of those the, the, that sort of time frame with Breonna Taylor and um, George Floyd and, and I can't remember the other person. Um, uh, and this person had, had she was white and she kept saying how offended she was and how she was so offended that they were painting this mural and they were, she was offended and, and she was kind of, and we, the group is to so that, so that we can come together and we can come up with ways of, of talking about this in clear, concise language that preserves everybody's humanity, um, trying to get away from, you know, essentialist stuff in our uh, trainings so that we, we can just have, 
so you're not blowing up at a PD, a professional development, that you're able to kind of raise your hand and yeah. you know ask a couple of, you know pertinent questions and and so I which think, is I think I would, that's a hard skill to cultivate, especially if you're talking about stuff that immediately elicits a reaction from the room. Right, and and especially if it's somebody's going to the place of like that's kind of extreme. Why are you offended? And then. I, kind of towards the end, I brought the offense up and then other people kind of sort of jumped on it. And then one of the facilitators who's black herself and she's and she's very concerned about all this because she doesn't feel all this being how we talk about race, how we move forward, how we, um, you know, repair some of the the actually bona fide, you know, harms of the past. And she said she said to the woman she was and she's not one of those who's going to put you on the spot because she doesn't feel that way. She said. She goes, yeah, you got to be careful how you say that because you don't want to stand up and saying you're offended by, you know, a bunch of dead black people. That's really not going to that's not going to bring your point across at all. Um, So, I mean, maybe if this person goes back into that space, obviously it sounded like every if it's a if it's a quote unquote free speech space, sometimes my red flags go up. I'm like, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, I can say what I want and all that becomes a very arrogant, you know, kind of like thought terminating kind of thing as well because you yeah okay so we all can say what we want right we all can open our mouths and words can come out of them um but maybe going back into that space maybe i don't know i would say check in with that person and see where were they coming from were they coming from a place of deep concern because that's where i'm coming from and when i i mean that topic is obviously i call you all the time into this call in spaces and i feel like it's always on my mind um where is it coming from? And maybe go back into that space and, and ask that guy where it's coming from. Um, Cause some people just like to, to blow stuff up. Yeah. Uh, but this other lady in this group that I was in, I don't think she was looking to blow anything up. I just think she was just had a huge blind spot. We got what she was trying to say, but you know, it's just, you're not going to get there by telling people you're, uh, I'm not offended, but by, by a mural of George Floyd doesn't offend me. Uh, yeah. You know, that that's kind of not the right way to go. Yeah. I'm curious about whether, like I bet on paper pe- through the internet, people have more interactions than ever before or like more exposure to the quote unquote other side. But I, I bet people's like skills for having reasonable disagreement are atrophying a little bit because if you go online, it's all usually the worst exemplars of the other side. And usually the most attention getting figures are the folks, you know, saying, go fuck yourself. Uh, so yeah, I have a lot of respect for people who like try to model civil, um, agreement um i do think there's probably very few spaces that are truly like just free speech you can say whatever you want like basically any space that doesn't have any guardrails is going to attract the sorts of people who will abuse that and ruin the space so um even if it's subjective i think it's important to talk about what the guardrails should be absolutely and before i hang up i want to thank you again for the work that you do i was sort of watching this blow up with this jason wilson guy the other day and um, so I, I just want to thank you for what you do. And, uh, I think you, and I, I guess I was a, I was the target of some, one of your listeners. So I guess I'm whatever he called us. I don't know. He called us some, a bunch of names, but, um, I, I mean, hopefully I'm sure you know this, but hopefully that you recognize that, um, that, that there's a big posse of people who value your level of your the way that you attempt, you tempt, and I think succeed in being principled. So I just want to thank you for it again. Thank you, Jane. I appreciate that. And I uh, appreciate the call. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should um, just as a closing note, talk about the latest in 
This had to do with um, my reporting on the University of Washington that published this awful study. Uh, kids who went through the gender clinic there uh, who did not improve. And the kids who didn't go on hormones or blockers, 80% of them dropped out of the study, meaning you, they just have no year-long data or data from after a year. Um, this is all in my subset, but basically they, they've made ridiculous arguments that in my mind are really distorting what they found and distorting the discourse on youth suicide. And uh, I reached out to them with some follow-up questions after uh, Jason Rance, a conservative journalist in the Northwest, published emails he got from them, just showing them clapping one another on the back for the good PR role. These are the PR folks, not the researchers, but they were very happy that they got so much positive media attention. And because it was only conservatives reaching out to them after my article, they didn't see a need to really respond or engage. And I sent them follow-up questions and they responded, but it was like a total blow up. And uh, I don't know, man, like <laughs> the, the, the idea of misleading people about what you found with suicidal kids is really bad. It's really, really, really bad. And I don't, I don't throw around claims of like words causing harm lightly. I think those arguments are overused, but if you want to, you want an area where words can cause harm. It's when people with impressive letters after their name, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word lie, but mislead about you suicide. If you have really troubled kids coming into this clinic and you have their parents convinced these treatments address you suicide, and you have the clinicians who either think they found that or will lie about having found that, it's just such a, it's a really disastrous situation for vulnerable kids to be in. And I am frustrated that uh, this has been so politicized. I, I wish some liberal outlets would lean on the University of Washington a little, because uh, I just think what they're doing is frankly a little bit dangerous. Uh, maybe I'll write about it again, maybe not, but... Um, Jane's call reminded me of that because the blow-up she was talking about had to do with the UW thing. Anyway, uh, I hope all of you have a good rest of your Thursday. I hope you have a good Labor Day weekend. As always, I would just ask if you like what I'm doing here, tell other people about it. Spread the word. But yeah, until next time, thank you very much for tuning in. Bye.